Valley en route. I don't think you ever referred to them as a viewing audience, though. We are recording, though, so... Use your deep inside voice. My recording voice? The voice you would use as the voice of whoever. Jordan, my friend. James Earl Jones? Wow. Everybody do your best James Earl Jones right now. What, what, what kind of James Earl Jones? Are we talking Mufasa? Are we talking Darth Vader? In half a mile, you're turning right. I think Vader is the most classic James Earl Jones, is it not? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Point two miles in. So, not only do they get to listen to us... They also get to listen to Google tell us how to get there. So, Jordan, can you shed some light on why all the streets in Indiana are just numbers? Because that's Indiana. <laughs> Welcome to Flatland. <laughs> at least, like at we least we're like New York, where all the streets are numbered, so you won't get lost. I feel like since we pulled into Indiana, we've been on exactly zero roads that have a name. They're all just numbered. So, for the, for the listening, or as Mike said, viewing audience, because we're definitely recording this. I thought people could see my face. <laughs> Do you know what a podcast is? <laughs> it's not how this works. It's not how any of this works. So, for everybody who's listening right now, and we apologize in advance for the little bit of different audio quality, but we're not in the studio. We're in a 2009... Have we ever been in a studio? <laughs> I'm in a studio. The Cookie Cave's a studio. A, that's an office. It's a studio. Cave. I thought it was Fort Cookie. Well, yes, but the Cookie Cave is my office. No. Alright. You have lived in the Cookie Cave. That's fair. I have. For the context of the listening audience, the reason we sound a little different and we all sound a little giddy is because we're all in one car together. And this is the A- first episode of ASB on Tour. I'm Alex Ryder, joined by my normal co-host, who I both love and hate right now. I love him because I actually see his beautiful bearded face, but I can't stand it because it's also wearing a Manchester United hat, Jordan Hawkins. And you are also here, so close that I can touch your face. I'm not going to. But I'm just saying that I can. You can caress my face. This, this is gone, dude. That dark place. And the third member of our group is James Earl Jones. <laughs> that is Michael Wheeler, friend of the pod, who is our chauffeur today on our adventure to from Huntington, Indiana to, don't be creepy, to... Ann Arbor, Michigan, for Liverpool versus Manchester United, where Liverpool's going to meet beat Manchester United just like they will all season long. I'm still the last time that happened. <laughs> I'm still disappointed people can't see my face. <laughs> you, you'll, you'll get over it eventually. So we're, Again, we're on a podcast. So to kind of set the scene for everybody, it's a beautiful summer day. Sun is shining, our car is filled to the brim with stuff as Mike and I drove from Orlando 
to Jordan's house where his father and mother graciously served us breakfast, and we are now continuing the trip all together. We also are doing this, what, two weeks removed from the World Cup final? Yes, it is. Yes, the withdrawals have started it, to go it, away. It, 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 it feels like it was months ago, but it was actually two weeks. I'm still partially going through what I would somewhat call post-mortem dis- disorder. Post-mortem depression. Post-mortem depression? That's a good way of putting it, Jordan. Um, and we are... I, I, I kind of started feeling like that after the group stage. It's like, oh, wait, this is almost half, half over. Keep left to but I think that was somewhat dis- diminished, diminished by how exciting the final was. Well, and yes, it was a great final. It was by far the best final and arguably the best World Cup ever. But, but that, that, that final had everything. It had penalty, uh, own goals. Um, own goal won the golden boot race. <laughs> but... And then you had pitch invasions, rain during the trophy lift. Of course. But I think we're going to kind of get to the World Cup at a later show from the tailgate. Right now, we kind of need to catch everybody up and kind of, I wouldn't mind introducing the crowd to Mike a little bit and giving them a little taste of what he's all about. So, Mike, you want to kind of tell us about yourself? Sure. I started as a baby. Um, Where did you come from? <laughs> the stork! We're not going to get into that right now. Uh, yeah, I, I started as a baby. I uh, lived in upstate New York for a good long while. Moved to Florida. <clears throat> I was introduced to the uh, the game from my lovely friend. who, who now I'm, I'm caressing his face. Uh, he actually did touch me. Weirded it out by that. It, it have, the beard feels very nice, by the way. So. Thank you. It's I kind of like oil. a flowing lion's mane. I oiled it this morning. It's okay. I was introduced to the beautiful game in the beautiful city by my beautiful friend Alex here. Uh, that was about three years ago now. About three years ago. I've become, Closer to four. Closer to four. I've become a rabid Orlando City fan. Vamos Orlando. Have recently taken after a long decision-making process to Liverpool, uh, rocking the, the red today. Um, and yeah, big fan of the the pod, big fan of uh, soccer pods all over the internet. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, as I think back, I've realized now that I've never seen anybody's face. So, Leon is, is is ASB your favorite. I will say this, ASB is the most insightful. I really, really like Orlando Lions Den. Uh, yeah, shameless plug to, to Orlando Lions Den. But as far as deep soccer insight, and especially U.S. men's national team and U.S. women's national team, ASB is by far the most insightful. That is very kind. Yeah. Very kind indeed. Oh, and can I just say that I met Alexi Lawless once? Can I just shamelessly plug that? Yes, that that is that is something that you and I share. Um, our most recent U.S. soccer experience was in Orlando, in the night at the um, the night before party for American Outlaws. We met Alexi Lawless, took a picture with him with sunglasses on. 
but I still have those sunglasses unworn since that day. Alexi Lawless was hammered, by the way. People were buying him shots like he was Pitbull in Miami. That would, that's very well put. <laughs> so, well, that's Mike, everybody. Mike is going to be joining us on a, this little adventure as a temporary third... Third wheel? Third wheel? He is the third <laughs> wheel. Although he's the first wheel right now because he's steering, so... Yeah. What yeah. does where does Google Maps have us going right now, Mike? Uh, I don't know. It's all flat, so I don't actually think it matters what turns we take. Like all roads just lead to Ann Arbor at this point. So, with that being said, right now the U.S. is seeing the most soccer it sees every year during these summer months. Jordan, you've got the champions. Cup, you've got MLS in full swing, you've got the Open Cup. How would you say the country is reacting to the post-World Cup era, and how is that going to be used going forward, especially with all the announcements of new teams that have been, that have occurred in the past month? Well, here's the thing. This was, like, by far the most exciting um, World Cup that I have ever seen, and it might have to do with the fact that the U.S. wasn't in it, so I'm, I wasn't stressing half, half the time, but if you look at the numbers of nations that were represented at the World Cup in Russia, the U.S. was up there with uh, Mexico and Russia, in fact. A lot of people traveling, a lot of a lot of people traveling from the from the states, probably because they originally thought the U.S. was going to be in it, but still, they they still showed up. Probably why they ran, almost ran out of beer too. So with this going forward, and with with the new cycle opening up, that kind of brings up the conversation of. Where does U.S. soccer go from here? You and I, over the past nine months, have talked about that. And some decisions have been made, but what still needs to be done? What do we have to build on? What needs to change? First of all, hire a head coach. Absolutely. Can we just, can we collectively take a moment, though, and before we even get into what do we need to do, what do we need to build on, can we just collectively take a moment and appreciate that we have come out of the dark days into a World Cup cycle that the U.S. is very much an active participant? That is incredibly well said, Mike, and that's so very true because we do. We're, we're back in this. We're not on the outside looking in anymore. When Monday rolled around after the World Cup, I thought to myself, it's a new day. I don't have to constantly flash back to that day anymore. Does that also mean that we, we can fully retire the conversations at the Trinidad game now? Can that, like, go into the crypt? Yeah, we could put it back I, into the Disney vault. <laughs> I would... If you'll humor me for a second. Only for a second. Actually, more than a second. But... 
I hate to bring up memories of that Trinidad and Tobago game, but uh, I think we need to have a conversation of what players from that previous cycle can still be involved in the next. I can count them on one hand, but... I, I actually have a list. Oh, he's got... Someone did their homework. I'm, I'm actually doing it right now. He's literally in the back seat. That's how I did my homework in high school. In the back seat of the bus, <laughs> on the way. On the way. about each of these players, players that were in the lineup at the Trinidad and Tobago game that fateful night, and I'm going to tell you how old they will be in four years' time. Uh, some of these are pretty obvious, but we should still at least have a conversation, because I think conversation needs to be had of whether... These players should still be involved in the next cycle because I think some of them should still be involved. Uh, Josie, he'll be 32 in four years. No. 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 Bobby Wood, he'll be 29. Yes. Yes. All right. Uh, this one is obvious. Pulisic, he'll be 23. I feel like he should, he should probably be involved. Yes. I, I think that he might potentially be involved, maybe. Uh, Nagby, he'll be 32. Maybe. I say maybe. I'm going to vote maybe based on his fitness. Uh, here's an interesting one. Uh, Bradley, he'll be 34. No, absolutely not. He shouldn't have been involved in this last cycle. Uh, Mike? I'm going to go against the grain on that. I'm going to say Bradley should be involved purely from a just a seniority and a leadership perspective. Wow. Maybe that doesn't even look like him being involved as a player. Maybe that looks like him being brought on as some kind of, I don't know, assistant coaching position or something. But I think he needs to be involved. He, he was one of the absolute stalwart faces of American soccer for a while. I think he's got that leadership. So you think that, in theory, he should go the path of his father? I don't know if we need to bring, bring up Bob Bradley, but... Swansea City's own. <laughs> or, as we like to call him now, Chief SUSA 2.0's coach. Uh, moving on. Ariola, he'll be 27. Nips. How do you leave Nips out? I mean, it's Nips. Yes. I mean, he was one of those... He was one of those guys where he was saying after that game, he was just absolutely gassed. I mean, that yeah. that might have something to do with him. That might have, have to do something with uh, He had also just come back over. He was adjusting to being back at D, be back on these shores with D.C., so. Can we just get him a vanity kit that says Nips on the back? If we're going purely on name, yes, but fitness, he's a maybe at best when it comes to contributing. 
especially considering the amount of young kids we're including nowadays. So, uh, Matt Beasler, he'll be 35. No, 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 no. no. Uh, George Viafania, nope. he'll be 32. No, nope. don't oh, know why he, he was involved to begin with. Even though he was involved in the previous finals with these young kids. Yeah, no. I, I feel like another four years is not going to look good on him. No. no. Oh, boy. Omar Gonzalez. Nope. Omar? How do you vote no for Omar? No. Omar? The dude's 14 feet tall. He's 14 feet tall, and those 14 feet scored an own goal that made us miss the World Cup. That and the fact that his defending is mediocre at best with a whole stable of young kids... Forget about these guys' skill. We've got a whole generation of young, able-bodied kids that keep getting called over to Europe. And they're going to take their places in the next three years. We might see Omar in one more Gold Cup. Maybe. But young, after, I can agree to that. Young, able-bodied kids getting sent over to Europe might have also been the slogan for World War II. <laughs> I mean, we won World War II, so... Twice. Against the Germans, twice. no less. That's true. Twice. We did win it twice. What? <laughs> Never nuke a country twice. Oh, twice. Well, that's Japan. That's different. We didn't... We didn't need nukes to beat Germany. Because that opened a whole new Pandora's box. Well, but who... Okay, if we're going to do the World War II analogy, who is the nuke we need... In this list, I feel like the, it's pretty obvious. Yeah. Our 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 leader and the future president of the United States. I think, I think scene two in the thirty for thirty will just be a close up on Pulisic's face as he takes a ball at center. Absolutely. I think that's how it'll open scene two. After scene one is just the devastation in Trinidad. Him on him on the ground, that iconic photo that is ingrained in our collective memories of him on the ground crying. Yes, we both cried. We all cried. We all cried. Mike and I were in a bar in Fort Myers, Florida with the American Outlaws of Fort Myers. I have never seen that many grown men cry. My scarf became a projectile weapon. I knocked down my chair into a family of Colombians who were ecstatic, celebrating because moments earlier, Colombia had secured their place in the World Cup, which they squandered like... Oh, what's a good analogy for squandering, everybody? I'm going to put that out there. Yeah, that <clears throat> dropped like a lead balloon right there. Olivier Giroud never taken a shot in the World Cup, but he still won the World Cup, so... There you go. I feel like we've boomeranged quite a bit from, uh, from Jordan's list. I think we should get back to that. We uh, went all the way to World War II and back. DeAndre Yedlin, 29. Yes. 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 Absolutely. Uh, Argu- arguably in line for captain. Wow. I, I would agree to that. Uh, I can already say no to this. Tim Howard. No. no. Oh my gosh. No. no. Why was he involved in the last cycle? 
he retired for a year and decided he could come back. I didn't know that was possible. That was the laziest Bruce Arena move that I can remember. Just automatically basically handing Tim Howard the mitts. Like, how, how lazy was that with the at least handful of better keepers yeah, in but American soccer. Do you want Guzan to do, be the backup? No, I don't want Guzan. I don't want Guzan involved at all. Anyways. Sorry, that one got me spirited. And then you've got, I mean, let's get into that discussion real quick. It's not like we exactly feel confident about the, the at that time, the Bill Hamid. We didn't feel confident with him, and we really don't feel confident with him now because we're looking at a world where the next four years is going to be a competition between Alex Bono and Zach Steffen, both of whom are playing in MLS and are flirting with moves to Europe. And and you say we didn't fully trust Bill Hamid. People are asking these questions like, where were the kids during this this last cycle? Those kids were like 16, 17, 18 at the time, at the start of the cycle. It was a badly managed cycle because a lot of, even now, nine months later, we, we, I mean, we went to France and we drew them and then they went on and won the World Cup. No one can say, oh, it was a secondary France team. That was the that, France team yeah. that was out there. And those kids drew them at, in France. That's nothing to shake a stick at. That's how you end the last cycle, despite not having made the World Cup, is drawing the team that would, almost exactly a month later, hoist the World Cup. Can you say that um, the U.S. helped France win the World Cup? And here is why. You'll remember um, in that friendly, the fullbacks for France in that game were Sidibe and I don't remember who the other one was. But after that game, those two fullbacks were replaced by Lucas Hernandez and Benjamin Pavard. And those were the two fullbacks that played almost every minute during that campaign. And Pavard ended up scoring like the goal of the tournament. Yeah, it's true. Very astutely put. But continuing on with this list. Vin Dempsey. 39. Nope. His retirement party is is coming up in the fall, I guarantee it. I need, he just needs to retire altogether. I don't ever want to see him take a PK ever again. No. I mean, granted, his ball doesn't go six inches to the left. He's a national team hero. But close doesn't count. Horseshoes, hand grenades. Horseshoes. Hand grenades and nuclear warfare to go back to the World War II metaphor. Okay. Okay. Kellen Acosta, 27. Yeah. 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 Is this move to Colorado a good thing for him? I think it is because it's going to give him more more time of being a leader 
and more ability to be a standout player. He was a great standout player in Dallas, but he had like he had a lot of other players that were either outshining him or overshadowing him. Whereas he's got enough competition in Colorado to compete with. But he's not going to become complacent. He's going to push to be his best self there. I just hope it doesn't ruin his confidence because they're going to lose a lot of games. Yes, that would. Would he, would he be better off going to Europe? Not right now. No, not right now. Not right now. Maybe it, in a year or two. Here's my question about Dallas. What is going on with Dallas? Because there's they, something they, in the water. Th- there's there's something in the water, but. What is it about Dallas that makes all these players want to leave? Because a few months ago, Acosta was not on speaking terms with the Dallas media. But Dallas, for whatever reason, keeps producing these players, and they're they're still competing with the top of the MLS. Well, part of it is that their fans never show up. That is very true. Turn left onto US 24 East. There are a handful of USL sides at this point that compete with and even exceed Dallas. US 24 East for 55 miles. And yet, this will be controversial because Mike and I still have an open wound with, with them, with Columbus. But what does that say about kind of do a slight sidebar into one very particular problem in domestic soccer right now is the the pre-court issue, the, the Save the Crew movement. And I tweeted in anger, and I'll apologize a little bit to the crew fans in anger that uh, that I wanted them to move to Austin, just out of anger. I don't want to see them lose their team, but I also don't think they have much of a shot with this ownership group. Because Precourt's going to do what he wants. He doesn't doesn't care. Which is why they would almost benefit from letting Precourt leave, go to to a market that isn't going to appreciate it any more than Columbus and fail there and leave MLS and be replaced by a new franchise that would keep all the Columbus antiquities, keep their MLS cups, keep their honors, keep their history, but take them down to USL until they can return to MLS in full force in a couple of years. It would be better for Columbus, for their legacy, to go down for a year or two, maybe even three years, regroup in USL, and then come back up, which would then also serve as a testing ground for promotion relegation. Can I openly disagree with something you just said? Are you, are you allowed to openly disagree with yeah. one of the main hosts? We we encourage it. That's what we call discussion. I like I like everything you just said. I disagree with what you said about uh, Austin not appreciating them, though. 
Yeah, and then, and then being as underappreciated in Austin as they were in Columbus. And this kind of boomerangs back to the talk of, you know, why Dallas doesn't get fans and why I think Austin will. Dallas is an oversaturated sports market. It's a sports market that has an absolute infatuation with their professional football and basketball team. And I don't think it will ever, ever, ever do well as a professional MLS city. I think Austin will. I think it's a very undersaturated sports market, but it's still in Texas. And Texas has a weird, over-the-top love of things that are theirs. And Austin doesn't have that major team that they can rally around right now. And I think that they will absolutely do that with the new... What, are they still going to be called the crew? I, the Austin crew? That sounds terrible. It's it, There's been talk it's going to go back to the Austin Aztecs, which is a traditional name that can trace their roots back to the Rollins family, which would then move their team to a little town in central Florida called Orlando, which would become what we today know as Orlando City Soccer Club. So, here's the the reason I say they aren't necessarily going to embrace them is because they're not exactly clamoring for it. You don't exactly see people lining up to embrace it. If what you're saying is true, and I agree that it, it is a market right with potential, they are definitely going to need to show more, especially in the press, especially with a lot of the controversy that surrounds this move to begin with. So it's something that will definitely have to happen over time, and in that same amount of time, Columbus can easily put together a USL team. They've got the stadium. It's not like they're going to leave the first soccer-specific stadium in the history of MLS to rot. Not to mention they have a team in the MPSL. Yeah, the FC... um, FC Columbus. Which could easily assume the role of... And was probably... Weren't they putting place as an alternative if the, the worst should happen? I say yes. So have FC Columbus become FC Columbus crew. I think we've talked about this before, Jordan. Yep. Where they assume that and they come back up. And they basically switch places with Cincinnati for a little while. With Cincinnati getting their big break deservedly so and hopefully having success in it. So, I would just like to end this conversation with Austin and Columbus by saying I'd be all for this if the crew do move to Austin, that Austin club being called Austinville. (laughs) I'd be all for that. That would be good. So, Moving on, Moving on for your list. Keep us uh, going. It's kind of our central, um, central tent pole. Our tent pole for this episode that devolves into other discussions. Uh, Benny Fellahaber, 37. No. no. Nope. He might, he might be too old to coach by then. Uh, this is funny because 
rest of these names are probably no's. Uh, Brad Guzon, 37. No. Nope. Nick Armando, 42. No. no. Goodness gracious, he's only 42. Was he really in he was the 38? He was in the lineup. Uh, DeMarcus Beasley, 40. No. Fun fact, he was born in Fort Wayne. That is a fun fact. Tim Ring, 34. I don't even know who that is. He plays for Fulham. That doesn't help his cause. Did he actually get a minute on the pitch? He's going to be playing in the Premier League. I don't think so. I'm going to say no. I, I would say he has a case. Okay. Scratch him up as a maybe. What's your opinion, man? Jeff Cameron, 37. No. 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 Way too old. Alejandro Bedoya, 35. <laughs> I have my own opinions about Bedoya that will lead me to say no. No. Uh, Dax McCarty, 35. I don't know. Can he still run around at that age and bite ankles like he does right now? If he still has a mustache, then yes. <laughs> so is the mustache his Samson power? Yes. If he has his mustache, Don't, yes. don't call it the mustache. The best ankle biter in MLS. Graham Zuzzi, 35. No. No. And... Should have been involved last time. And to end this list, who else but Chris Wondolowski, 39. <laughs> Yes, but only as a field goal kicker for the San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> and that's the list. The list. Huzzah. Okay. So, yeah, how many did we say yes to? More than I thought we would, to be completely honest, which is funny because we've got these young kids. I mean, Timothy Way. Um, what was Show the... me the way. Uh, well done. Um... What was the name of the other kid that scored? Josh Sargent. Josh Sargent. I love Josh Sargent. I think he is... What? We're in Ohio. Why are we in Welcome Ohio? Welcome to Ohio. I thought we were going to Michigan. Why are we in Ohio? You have to go through Ohio to get to Michigan if we go this way. So, welcome to Ohio. Welcome the, to Ohio. The kingdom of Ohio. And lots of wind turbines. Everybody look out for Don Quixote. What? Wasn't he the one that fought the windmill? He fucked the windmills and that ended badly. The only thing I know about Don Quixote I've learned from... The newsroom. The, no, shows written <laughs> by... Yeah. Not, he, there was also Don Quixote references in the West Wing. Sancho, my sword! So, yeah, I agree, Jordan. There were more names on there than I thought there would be, but with these kids and what they did on the European tour before the World Cup, there's definitely a lot of talent in the pool, and I'm hoping there's more coming up very soon, because we need all the help we can get if we're going to win and go to 2022 in Qatar, which, by the way, happy Thanksgiving 2022, because nothing says... Thanksgiving, like World Cup soccer, the Europa League, and three football games. 
that. To be completely honest, I would much rather world, watch World Cup on Thanksgiving than watch the Detroit Lions get beat once again. Well, and here's the funny thing. Will you guys still have the same quarterback in 2022? Probably. Can I pose this fun hypothetical question? Which, all right, so we, we just went off that list. What name that's not on that list in each position will be the most important con- contribution to the next cycle? So, a striker, a midfielder, a defender, and a keeper that were not on that list that will make the biggest contributions in this cycle. Zach Steffen, goalie. Okay. Tim Way. Tim Way, striker. Gotcha. We're just going to go. I'm going to agree, Tim well, Way. Would you, uh, would you rather have. Tim Way in the midfield and Josh Sargent on the front. I would like to see Tim Way succeed on the wing. As a winging midfield attacking winger sort of position. That he could definitely succeed getting balls out wide but also holding as a right midfielder in a more standard two-forward set up, depending on which coach we end up hiring and what system we adopt for the next four years. Also, Weston McKinney. Yes. Yep. So you put Josh Sargent up front, Kulisic and McKinney in the middle, way on the wing. Missing something? No, way on the wing has a nice ring to it, though. Way on the wing. Let's say there's a chant in there. There, There's there's a song in there. What's his? Where's his dad? The president of Liberia. The Liberian king. Kind of literally. I mean, he's president, but that's a different type of government. It kind of works. I mean. So, to give one addition to that list, though, to get off my little supporter song, Tyler Adams yes. is about to become a very, very, very useful player, along with Matt Miazga. Agreed. And that's why a lot of these other younger defensive names might not work, and why I still think we have a chance of implementing a three-back system for quality going forward, depending on the coach, which I... Is it even worth having a coaching discussion at this point? I say yes. Did everybody get their names in before we start that rabbit hole? I would suggest one. Maybe two. For player names, to finish Mike's question. Oh, oh, yeah. player names. Yeah, I think, we, I think we circled the wagon nicely on that one. Okay. Coach names. One coach right now. Who do you want? Juan Carlos Osorio. I, 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 yeah. I think he's a bit on the older side. He is a bit yeah. on the older side. And if, and if you want someone who, has ties to MLS. He does have that. 
Yeah. I, he's definitely he, he, on the short list. I he, don't disagree he, he with you. He has him. coached, um, if I remember correctly, the, the New York Metro Stars. Yeah, that was back in the day. That was way back. The team that, if some of you are familiar, is now known as New York Red Bulls. What do you think, Mike? I don't know. I'm not going to claim to know enough about the available coaches to even have an educated opinion on this one. I just, as long as Bob Bradley's not in the conversation. The, one, the names I have heard in the conversation were Blanco Asesorio, Jesse Marsh, Greg Berhalter. Bray, and Greg Berhalter, I literally have him pulled up just to make sure I had his name right. I think it's going to be Greg Berhalter because there's no way he's going to stay in the pre-court organization if it leaves Columbus. And he has gotten the best out of players. Look at what he did um, with Josie Zardes. I think we're in the days where Josie Zardes makes a push back into the U.S. team. We get the Brillo pad back? We might get the Brillo pad back in his brilliance. Back well, will, when, he, will he have an improved first touch? Yes, I do think he will. I think that great girl Halter is right brought great things out of him and that he will continue those things when Columbus moves to Austin and when he gets called back up under Greg Berhold. Um, whereas when it came to coaching, you didn't get the, as much out of a player from even Jurgen Klinsmann. Jurgen Klinsmann was great at scouting players. He was great at training them, but he wasn't great at getting every last ounce out of them, and he wasn't great at strategically placing them for strategy and convenience. They seem to be terrible at unifying the team, too. Yes. That's terrible at that. Because you had that rift between the American-based players and the Americans based in Germany. Yep. And, we and I think it, it was a it was the same problem that you had with Germany at this World Cup with the problems you had uh, circulating uh, Ilke Gundogan and Mesut Ozil and that, that's that's a whole different conversation. Absolutely. Yeah, so though I don't have a name for a coach, I think it definitely needs to be somebody that's willing to be very fluid, that's willing to be a little bit creative, and that is going to put in the work that Bruce Arena was not willing to do. And actually put in the hours to figure out what's going to work best for this cycle. This cycle's wide open. I mean, it, we're writing a whole new page. I might even be writing a whole new book. So we need somebody that's going to put in the effort and the work that Arena wasn't willing to put in to make this whatever it's about to become. Intentionally. Especially with the amount of competition that has risen up in Central America and even the islands due to the performance of MLS. I mean, look at what just happened this week. This Past week, um, Alfonso Davies, the 17-year-old who started his professional career just a year earlier at the age of 16 after coming 
flying through the ranks of the Vancouver Whitecaps Academy and becoming the youngest player to ever play for and score for Canada. And he flew through their academy, and now he just got bought by Bayern Munich. There was literally a bidding war between Bayern Munich and PSG for the services of a Canadian. And he, he's going to be the future of that national team. Which, which makes Kyle Lahren just absolutely furious. And I don't care what makes Kyle Lahren furious. The bitterness, Sorry. it permeates from your lips. But... I can taste it. <laughs> but that uh, that's just an example of how the MLS system has brought these new players to light. Canada is going to have a much stronger team in this cycle. Can we talk about, and maybe, sorry, I mean, cut you off. No, please. Can we talk about and agree to the fact that CONCACAF is going to be more difficult in four years, or through the cycle in two years, three years, when we're playing qualifiers, than it even was during this last cycle? Oh, yeah. I mean, you look at the improvement of a lot of these teams that are in CONCACAF, and you look at... I mean, you think about it, they, they sent teams to the World Cup this year that they are going to improve just because of the notoriety that they had by going to the World Cup. And so, yeah, I think it's going to be as much as difficult, or that's terribly phrased, but more difficult going through this cycle than the last even was. And the competition is going to go be even higher thanks to the Nations League. Yeah. Yeah. Starting play in the fall for... The non-hex teams, and then the hex teams start their play in the spring. But then, in eight years' time, you're going to have even more teams from the CONCACAF qualifying. As as I understand it, the whole hex would have gone. Yeah, it's going to be like the Decagon at that point. Yeah, and that, that bodes well for the U.S., as far as qualifying goes, even if we have to qualify for 2026, because there's a lot lot to go around that, and we're going to address that whole decision and that and that whole announcement and the that, other that's, things. That's all still up in the air. Yeah, in a future podcast, in the next podcast, but that could also lead to complacency. And I don't think we're, we need to let up on the gas. We need to full throttle. We need to get these academies open and start spitting players out. I mean, and we need to give the smaller academies motivation to do that. It, it was announced right after the Bayern Munich deal was concluded that Vancouver Whitecaps are going to send a check until Alfonso Davies' original youth club for his training and time there. And if we continue that in MLS, we're going to get more of these high-quality players that spend time in MLS, spend time in our academies, bring more competition to our academies, and spit up players that can then be sold overseas or to different clubs around the league. And you don't see that as much happening in La Liga. La Liga, uh, or not La Liga, Liga MX. Liga MX is just had to suspend promotion relegation for this exact reason. 
they're struggling. Whereas, well, again, getting you to listen to the next podcast, we're going to talk about all the announcements that have been made by USL and the also the Canadian Premier League coming up. And there's just a lot being announced. A lot of teams, a lot of new places for players to grind it out and earn their earn their playing spots, not just for the United States, but for North America as a whole. And that's both great for CONCACAF and U.S. soccer, but it also forces us to truly have to compete and not rest on our laurels. What exactly is a laurel? I've always wondered that, that phrase. You're wrinkling my brain a little bit there, Mike. I just don't know what a laurel is. It sounds like something out of Dr. Seuss. I was literally just going to say the exact same thing. This is one of those things where Mike and I do kind of share a brain, and it's a little scary. So, what do you think, Jordan? And to add to that conversation, there's been an announcement made by... uh, Liga MX and Mexican FA where if you have players that are under 21 you have to give them minutes so that they can be developed in time by the time they get called up to the national team and as I understand it by an entire in a whole season each player under 21 has to get 735 minutes a season. Else, and uh, this is for this under is, 21 Mexican players in yes, league in league MX. If if those players don't know, did not get the minutes, then that team will be deducted three points in the standings. Wow! Whoa! I had not heard about that. Where does that stand on the world stage, though? I'm, I'm, I very much agree with that. That being a, a very aggressive way to accomplish that. But there's also a lot of competitive question marks there. You're not going to see. I. Wait. You're never going to see that happen in England. No. And it's actually kind of absurd it happened in Mexico of all places. Mexico... Because you, you have all these foreign players coming into Liga MX. How would, how would they feel about this? It's going to make them fight for minutes. I mean, Liga MX does also have quite a few players that feature for CONCACAF national teams. Exactly. So this is going to make them even more crazy, and it's going to make MLS even more popular, which could actually have an unintended negative effect on U.S. players. And that's one thing that Canada has actually been doing in the can- in with the announcement of the first eight teams of the Canadian Premier League to start playing 2019 as a top-tier Canadian 
team or league is that those teams have to have a minimum number of Canadian players that also have to have a minimum number that play at any given time. And that's going to force Canada's team to enhance even more, teams to enhance even more, which is going to lead to their national team being stronger and producing, possibly, more Alfonso Davies that end up over in Europe, which could lead to more competition from them. It's good. And might even damage MLS. It's very possible that in the next two to three years, we start seeing conversations about Vancouver and Montreal and Toronto picking up and leaving MLS to go dominate and develop and create a self-contained first division league in the Canadian Premier League. That's fine. Canada can have all three of them back. Wow! It literally the only damage I can see happening from that happening to MLS is you would lose the Cascadia rivalry. But arguably that by then, Cascadia might be its own country, so... As far as I'm concerned, Canada can have all three of those teams back and we can establish three new MLS franchises. One of them maybe being a new franchise in Columbus off of their tradition. I think there's plenty of markets that have proven themselves capable of handling an MLS team. Huh. Well, I think that's going to be a discussion point on our next episode when we talk about the development pyramids and we talk about all these new things that are happening mid-season in USL and as they're prepping to start the 2019 USL season with USL D3 as well. Will we be having hot dogs during the next episode? I think we might be starting the next episode on this in this here car. It might finish to the sound of crackling hot dogs. God bless America. Land that I love. Anything else you'd like to talk about right now, Jordan? Or do you want to close this episode out and take a little break? You're good? Let's enjoy the Ohio landscape, if you can call it that. Are we still in Ohio? We're still in Ohio. Interesting. Also flat. Also very flat. Also very flat. Screw the Buckeyes. (laughs) And on that note... I have been Alex Ryder. You can find me on Twitter at ghost underscore Ryder. I'm on Instagram as well. You can follow along. We will more than likely have concluded our tour by the time these episodes go out. But you can see pictures and video of our tour by searching hashtag ASB on on tour on Twitter and Instagram. Um... You can also listen to me on the aforementioned Orlando Lions Den podcast where I lament the very existence of my beloved club right now because of our struggles and hardships and the pain that they bring me, but I love them and I bleed purple every single week. So, where can the people find you, Jordan? 
You can find me on Twitter at J-R-A-Y Hawkins. Uh, Instagram on 21-J-H-A-W-K. And I'll, by the time these episodes go out, I'll probably be on my own tour. Taking a job and I'll be touring the country. But you will still be talking to our fair listeners. Oh, yes. From the road, with his laptop, not a care in the world, suitcase to his name. And last but certainly not least, Mr. Wheeler, where can the good people of the internet find out more about you and your goings-on? Yes, I I have been and am still Mike Wheeler. Uh, You can find me on Twitter... Uh, as a brick in the wall. It's got some ones in it. Just look on Alex's Twitter. You'll find me. Uh, and I, I've greatly enjoyed this experience. And I want to just throw a quick shout-out to the uh, the wife for allowing for this trip and letting it happen and being the coolest wife in the entire world. Thank you, Tiffany, for sharing him with us. This has been American Soccer Broadcast. We are on Twitter as ASB Podcast. You can visit us on the web at asbpodcast.com and we will talk to you soon. Party on, people. Jordan! What? Party on, people! Be excellent to each other. I'm James Earl Jones. (laughs) Oh my gosh.